Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, June 11th, 2018. Ah, Taking the Alethea out to sea, we got her fitted up. Targets acquired. We are ready to rock and roll. Wait, rock and roll is not how the pirates did it. Oh well, I'll sort that out later. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy bonkers, bizarre things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, <laughs> self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching that's put forward for consumption by the average Christian and evangelicals, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. And uh, what gets lost in the midst midst of all of this? (laughs) Not just sound doctrine. Jesus himself, he ends up going AWOL because these people really aren't interested in teaching about Jesus. No, they want to tell everybody about how they hear voices from God, how important they are, how they've received a vision or a purpose or a plan or a destiny thingy. And you can be as amazing as they are if you just do the things that they apparently did to earn these things. Yeah, it's weird how that works. So, um, <laughs> well, I'm back in the saddle. I was uh, out of town for a uh, little bit there. Had some things to tend to, pastoral duties, and also had a little bit of R&R. And, uh, and glad to be back. Uh, just so you know, at the end of the month, I will be out of studio again for uh, part of a week. Ho- hopefully not all of it, but definitely part of a week. Uh, I've uh, got some church uh, business to tend to as far as uh, the organization known as the AALC, the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Uh, I am on their pastoral roster, and so we're having our – every other year you know, we uh, have a, a convention kind of thingy where we do business and things like that. So I've got to attend that uh, coming up in uh, Minnesota. So uh, let's talk about what we're going to be doing on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Uh, we're going to begin with the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange. 
Exchange Syndicate update. We're going to be checking in with Ryan Lestrange. He has released a Monday word, and uh, I, this is like rare. I mean, no kidding. I We're going to be, be recording a segment on his Monday word for today, the, 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 like this Monday, you know, like – the the Monday we're living at the at the moment he's released it for that and and uh, the he's uh, the name of the uh, word is the release of the unusual the release of the unusual not sure what that means but okay so uh, we'll check in with Ryan Lestrange while we're still under the prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update uh, we're going to be checking in with Mel Bond and. Um, he apparently has a prophetic word for us about how um, anybody who applies these particular steps that he's going to be giving in this video that we'll play the audio for, how they can experience um, a, a divine sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then uh, we're going to head over to Destiny Family Center, and uh, while we're at Destiny Family Center, we'll listen to their uh, pastor, Chuck Balsamos. Balsamos, let the rhythm take you. Anyway, um, uh, Chuck Balsamos is going to explain to us how we can master our atmospheres. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not even sure what that means, and uh, and to wrap up uh, hour number one today, uh, we'll be checking in with uh, the Jim Baker Show, and special guest Perry Stone is going to be explaining to us how uh, people can have political soul ties. Now, we've covered Terry Savelle Foy's uh, weird teaching on soul ties, and if demonstrated that uh, nowhere in the Bible do it talk about soul ties. Yeah, it, it's this is a totally mythical, man-made doctrine. In fact, soul ties are as biblical as prayers to the Virgin Mary. Yeah, they're, they're equally mythological doctrines. You know, you can say that soul ties, it's, it, it's as false, it's as non-biblical as the, the teaching on plenary indulgences that uh, Rome engages in. But uh, on the Jim Baker show, uh, Perry Stone and Jim Baker will be discussing soul ties, political soul ties. And uh, so after listening to Terry Savelle Foy, I was convinced that she believes that people who engage in formal caboodulating, they can develop soul ties. But we've noted already that uh, Scripture actually tells us about something far more devastating, not soul ties, but becoming one flesh with some person. And now apparently you can have political soul ties, and uh, we'll uh, listen in to Perry Stone along those lines. And then in hour number two, we are going to be heading to the Toronto Airport Church as we listen to Sarah Jackson and uh, a message she delivered titled, A Deep Inner Life with God. Mm-hmm. A Deep Inner Life with God. And you're going to notice something on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, and I need to note this ahead of time, is that everybody that we're covering today will barely, if at all, actually teach you anything from what Scripture says. And uh, so you're going to note that there is a supreme lack of the Bible actually being taught by any of these 
teachers that um, are supposed to be teaching, you know, what the Bible teaches. And see, that's kind of the point of today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. So strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We've literally got a ton of ground that we need to cover. And since we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update, let's uh, start with this. Get up right now. Robert Tilton and Hubabaconda. All right, we're heading over to the YouTube channel of a self-proclaimed apostle. And yes, no, God did not call him to be an apostle. But he claims he's an apostle. Uh, Ryan Lestrange, as he explains to us how uh, the, the Monday prophetic word, and this is from today. I mean, it's kind of rare for me to put out this fresh of a prophetic word from Ryan Lestrange. You know, but uh, we do endeavor to try to be, you know, really cutting edge here from time to time. Uh, so here's the uh, the Monday word, the release of the unusual. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Hi, friends. It's Ryan the Stranger with the Monday word. And my Monday word is the release of the unusual. I was landing on an airplane and God spoke one word to me, unusual. He said, I want you to begin to declare and prophesy. So you were landing on an airplane. And... So this makes it true. I mean, so there he was. He's flying, you know, the friendly skies. And next thing you know, as they're coming in for a landing, God says to Ryan Lestrange, unusual. <gasps> you see, he was a lot closer to God, you know, while he was up there in the air. I'm sure of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that must make it true, right? Yeah, no. Release of the unusual over my people in this hour. The mm. definition of the word unusual is uncommon and rare. And then God said... Yeah, what, what's the Greek or the Hebrew word for that? Uh, could you uh, show me that from the uh, a biblical text, please? Me. There's unusual miracles coming forth. In Acts 19.11, it said God brought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, diseases departed, and evil spirits went out of them. There was uncommon or rare miracles. I decree... Yeah, there were, and that's kind of the point of the uncommon and rare miracles that occurred during the time of the apostles who were living on the earth, not you claiming to be an apostle is that those were sign gifts that uh, demonstrated that they were actually sent by Christ. Um, So you're sitting there saying you're going to receive some kind of an unusual thing. Right, okay. And declare over you unusual, uncommon, supernatural, life-altering, rare miracles, that the miracle anointing... Yeah, just because you're decreeing and declaring it 
because you heard a voice while you were plummeting from the skies doesn't mean it's true. Be released over your life today in the name of Jesus. I heard the Lord say. Oh, yeah. So there it is. It's got to happen, you know, because he said in the name of Jesus. That's basically using God's name or Christ's name like a magical incantation. Unusual gatherings. He said, I'm about to bring forth unusual gatherings, gatherings that are not normal. That as my people come together, there'll be unusual presence. There'll be a sense of unusual or rare or uncommon purpose. And there will be unusual expectation because it's expectation that unlocks my miracle realm. And then, uh, which biblical text says that expectation releases God's miracle realm? Yeah, I can't think of a single biblical passage that teaches that or says that because you know why? Because no biblical passage says or teaches that. So that's a man-made doctrine right there. I mean, that right there was a man-made doctrine. Yeah. God said to tell you it's time to move in unusual dimensions of faith. Faith causes the mountain to move. Faith causes the power and the substance of heaven to come. I believe... Yeah, which biblical text says that faith causes the power and the substance of heaven to come? Sounds like another one of those man-made doctrines right there. I mean, just Did you note that? Yeah, that's... Nice. Yeah, do you pray to saints too? You know? God is unlocking rare, uncommon, unusual faith right now mm. in the lives of people. That we're going to do what Mark eleven twenty three said and speak to our mountains. God said, "Tell the people, <laughs> speak to our mountains." Yeah, I don't own any mountains, um, and I live in, you know, in the uh, eastern part of North Dakota. I don't know if you've noticed; it's pretty flat out there, so there there are no mountains for me to speak to mine or anyone else's to get ready for an unusual anointing tell them there are going to be anointings that are unusual flows of heaven that are unusual moves that are unusual rare and uncommon outpourings of holy spirit get ready for the unusual i'm ready i'm ready for the unusual usually i'm not ready for the unusual but this is an unusual circumstance now i'm ready for the unusual. It's like I cover the unusual every day when I'm sitting behind this microphone. Lord is marking this season with the unusual uh, in this time and in these hours. Uh, Acts 1.8 says you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to receive an anointing. The word anoint means to rub in, to smear. So God's saying I'm going to rub in. I'm going to smear. I'm going to cover you in unusual anointing. So just because the word anoint means what you said, that does not mean that God's going to smear you with the unusual. This is absurd. Life, there's going to be an explosive charge of my... Explosive charge of the unusual! power. God said to tell you to get ready, you're going to be sent on unusual assignments. Expect the unexpected, that heaven is going to mark you and mantle you for unusual assignments. He yeah, said, have you been mantled for an unusual assignment? For unusual collaborations. God's going to bring people that you didn't see coming. Mm. God's going to bring divine partnerships. Didn't see it coming. Yeah, it never, that's, that's unusual. He said, expect unusual breakthroughs. And then he said this, now look for my unusual presence. Exodus thirty-three fourteen said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. Unusual presence. This is a... Yeah, an unusual presence, man. Yeah, so, yeah. If you haven't had unusual presence and stuff, whew, yeah, get ready. You know, because it's, it's, this is not, this is not normal. This is unusual.
kind of thing is happening here. And to expect the rare, the uncommon, and the unusual. Father, I think... You know, let, let's kind of think about this for a second. Let's imagine for a second the uh, unimaginable, the unusual, if you would. Let's pretend that that was actually God's voice that was speaking to Ryan Lestrange. And there's the Holy Spirit up in heaven, and he's looking out across the world, and he goes... Oh, there's my servant apostle, Ryan Lestrange, and I, I, you know, I'm was planning on doing some unusual things in the future, very close to this time right now, and um, I did really want to uh, let him know that. And so the Holy Spirit then, you know, zaps him and gives him the, the word unusual, you know, the the release of the unusual. It, it releases into his brain. And so that that was God speaking to him. We just heard the release of this unusual Monday word about the release of the unusual. Um, did this prepare you for that? Do you feel like, oh, now I'm ready for the unusual? And if you hadn't have heard this and unusual things started to happen, you know, um, would it have mattered? You know, no, I just, this is a useless, utterly useless so-called prophecy. And and it's not even remotely akin to the types of prophecies and prophetic words that you read in God's word. You really want to understand what prophecy is about, what the content of it contains. I would strongly recommend that you take a look at the prophets of the Old Testament. Read Jeremiah. Read Isaiah. Read Amos. (laughs) And all I can say is if you're going to read Amos, you better be sitting down and, you know, and have a helmet or something because Amos is a rough read. But you read these prophets of the Old Testament and you're going to find out that these fellows, when they heard from God, their prophecies made sense. You know, grammar was important. And they were always instructing Israel and calling Israel to repentance confronting them with their sin and their unbelief and their idolatry and assuring them of God's grace and mercy. It's, it's fascinating. The, uh, the, uh, the, the prophets uh, didn't spend a lot of time prognosticating about the future. In fact, you would find you know, you know, prophecies regarding the future kind of sparsely peppered into the main body of their teaching. In fact, Speaking what was going to happen in the future was the least, smallest, tiniest bit of uh, what they did. And when they did speak about the future, they spoke in extremely vivid and great detail so that there was no way that you would wonder, well, was that really a prophecy? I mean, they they prophesied where Jesus, the Messiah, would be born, how he would die, things that he would even say on the cross, uh, the betrayal price. Uh, for him that uh, Judas w- received. You know, all, the, all of those specific details are recorded in Scripture for us. We knew exactly what you know clan he would come from, which of the uh, tribes of Israel he would come from, who he would be a direct descendant of, all of those things. And here we've got Ryan Lestrange trying to f- tell these people who follow him, oh, get ready, you just expect the unusual, you know, and... It doesn't mean anything. It's just empty. And, of course, 
he even taught a couple of man-made doctrines in the midst of this so-called prophetic word, which proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's not hearing from God the Holy Spirit. And none of this even matters. You, think, you, you get what I'm saying. All right, moving along, we are still under the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. We're heading over to the YouTube channel of Mel Bond. Mel Bond is a guy who claims to receive direct revelation from God Almighty, and uh, he's received a direct revelation that he's releasing here on his YouTube channel. Um, and it's about um, how to experience... <clears throat> Um, divine sex. Here we go. Yes, this is Mel Bond, and I've got some good news for you, mm. that God wants you to have divine sex. Okay, now, <laughs> I'm going to have to back that up, and, and I need to make a point here, and that is <laughs> that when Christians say, hey, I have good news to share with you, usually... The good news has something to do with Jesus Christ dying for our sins. By the way, the the Greek word euangelion, where we, which we get our um, uh, English word gospel from, it, it means good news. And in fact, let me show you this, just because I'm really uncomfortable with this video and I'm trying to distract myself. It says in First Corinthians fifteen one, and now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. That's euangelion. Good. News. In fact, let's take a look at the Greek because I'm trying to delay even farther because I don't want to go back to that video yet because it's really making me uncomfortable. But uh, euangelion, it means, you know, good news. Good news is what it means. Yes. And so usually when Christians say to people, I have good news for you, it has usually something to do with, well, what this text says. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the good news I preach to you, which you received and which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas into the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared then to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, to as, uh, uh, as, one, to, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So usually the good news has something to do with, you know, Jesus dying you know, for our sins. <clears throat> so that being the case, I mean, this video kind of starts off in a weird spot, and that is, is the, a Christian guy claiming to be a prophet has good news. It, <laughs> it's not about Jesus dying for our sins. It has something to do with that. Well, let's back this up and see what we can do here. <clears throat> yes, this is Mel Bond, and I've got some good news for you, mm -hmm. that God wants you to have divine sex. See, he, he, he even looked uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, what do you mean by divine sex? No, I have to ask because how is he using this word? You know, is divine like a synonym for great? Or is divine uh, a synonym for godly you know because you know think of it this way godly would be according to the prescribed 
uh, you know, limitations and uses for human procreation and sex and things like that. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm not sure how he's using the word. Is it great? Is it fantastic? Or is it holy? You know, what exactly do you mean by saying this? Divine sex is sex that is totally uh, fulfilled and satisfaction that is supernatural. Supernatural satisfaction. Wow. Okay. So how do I get me some of this? Okay. And a lot of the people in the world that uh, are interested in sex, in fact, as I... <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody, you know, is interested in one way or another, yeah. Study statistics, that's one of the major concerns of humanity from the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And so many people are not being fulfilled and satisfied. And They're not satisfied. There's no fulfillment there, yeah. And that's because they're not experiencing the the formal recipe for, you know, <clears throat> divine sex. They go to so many different other sources than what God has designed trying to find it, and they end up disappointed, and they keep trying with an, an someone else. and it, They can't get no satisfaction. Got it. Okay. It doesn't happen. And so... If we want divine sex, God is the author of sex. And so as we study his word, we find out his instructions whereby that we can have divine sex. To where <laughs> there is a passage in scripture that actually explains how to have this high, more highly satisfying divine sex. You notice I'm uncomfortable with the subject. Our sex life can be fulfilled and mm -hmm. um, have full satisfaction. Have Notice how uncomfortable he is. Yes. Full satisfaction. So that's what divine means. Full satisfaction. Divine sex. Well, here's God's instructions. Okay. So are you ready? Are you taking this down, folks? Because, I mean, if you've wanted to figure out what is the secret that the Bible teaches, apparently, for us to have divine sex... Here are the secret ingredients. One, it comes from a man and a woman as you study the Bible. Okay. And each person, the man and the woman, they need to be born again. They need. Right. So, you know, in order for this to happen, both people have to be born again. The male and the female must be born again. These are two requirements of divine sex. Except Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You see. <laughs> so let me see if I got this right. The real reason why people need to have the gift of tongues is so they can have divine sex. Which biblical text teaches that the gift of tongues has anything to do with divine sex? I've never seen the two related to each other. Experience in Acts in chapter 2, verse 4. No, Acts 2, 4 is not a passage about divine sex. Acts 2, 4 is the day of Pentecost and you know the Holy Spirit arriving and them speaking in other languages. But, you, yeah, nowhere in Acts chapter 2 does it say they spoke in other languages, oh, and had divine sex. Where you have a supernatural language, it's God's language, and God gives you that ability to speak his 
language, and uh, I have a teaching, little teaching session. Mm -hmm. So basically, I think what he's saying here is that those people who claim to speak in tongues, when they say Shamahama Handai, that literally has something to do with divine sex. And uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, if you have that interest. Mm -hmm. So a person, both parties, must be born again, filled Mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. and they need to be married. uh, Okay, I would agree. Male and female, married. Um, Christian, you know, penitent believers in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And, uh, and let's just say as a result of that, they value and listen to what God's word reveals regarding the proper use of sex. And they repent of all forms of sexual immorality. That would kind of be an important thing here. But what's with the speaking in tongues bit? In matrimony. And so the Bible says that what God has joined together, I think mm-hmm. that's Matthew chapter 19, right around verse 6, it says what God has joined together, no man, no entity, no human can pull it apart. There'll be no divorces when people are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, statistically, that isn't true. Sadly, um, even Pentecostals experience a high percentage of divorces. So what this guy is saying is just nonsense. I'm not even sure why he put this out as an individual video. God wants you to have divine sex. No, God wants you to repent of sexual immorality and enjoy sex within the confines of a male-female married relationship and to basically, you know, rule out all other forms of sexual immorality and perversion and to keep the marriage bed holy. And notice how I'm describing it then. It's, it's sex according to the way God prescribed it, not trying to sell you something and saying, hey, God wants you to have more satisfactory sex, you know, divine sex. It's like, hey, I got some good news for you. Unfortunately, we've got to put it in a brown paper bag. Yeah, this is just weird. Anyway, I think you get the point. And uh, we are up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're going to check in with Chuck Balsamo and uh, how to master your atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. <laughs> You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents... Church Day Select. Come in. 
Hello, I'm here for my two o'clock appointment. Yes, Mrs. Staley, is it? That's me. Have a seat. So, what is it I can do for you today? I was hoping that I could upgrade my prayer account today. That is excellent. Let me just look up your information. It looks like you've been with us for about three years. That's right. And you're currently a member of a spiritual growth prayer package. Yes. Well, that's not good. What's not good? It says here that your account, even after three years of accumulated dream interest, is still classified at a micro prayer level. What does that mean? It means that your current dream destiny balance is non-existent. It, it says that you've experienced zero spiritual growth. That's very disturbing. There must be some kind of mistake. Well, we can easily fix this. I'm just going to pull up your pre-appointment questionnaire. Okay. It says here that you pray at least four to six times a week. That's good. You tie 10% of your income to your local church. That's very good. You're happily married. You have two children and... Oh. What's oh? Well, in the career box, you put an A. Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. So what you're saying is that you don't have a real job. It certainly feels like a real job to me. Okay, then. So what can we do to fix my account balance? For starters, we'll go over your current dream projections for the next fiscal church year. That'll give us a baseline to work from. So, what are your big plans for this year? Well, I'm currently trying to potty train my two-year-old by summertime. Uh-huh. I'm trying to grow my own vegetables in my back garden. Okay. And my husband and I are also saving up money to fix our roof. Well, then. That explains a lot. What do you mean? It's painfully clear to me that you're simply not dreaming big enough. Not big enough? Well, the doy. Potty training, vegetables, and roofs are chump change and are simply unworthy of a mega prayer account. Oh, so what do you suggest I do? Well, first things first, you're going to need to get a real career. It really doesn't matter as long as it's related with fame, fortune, or glory. Uh... Secondly, you need to rid yourself of these pathetic micro-prayers. God doesn't have time to listen to such puny little things. What would be your current dream car? Probably a minivan, so I could have enough room for the kids and groceries. <clears throat> I think I just threw it in my mouth a little bit. <sighs> okay, instead of a... <clears throat> Minivan? Uh, why not pray for a Maserati? I couldn't afford the insurance. That's what the career is for. See, you're so trapped by your own micro-dreams that you can't see your potential. I don't want a career. I love being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm hearing. No wonder you've experienced zero spiritual growth. I bet you're the type of person that prays for daily bread and, and for the forgiveness of their sins. Why, yes, actually. <laughs> Get out of my office!
Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Listening to this program right now. Have you ever found yourself wishing there was more Fighting for the Faith content that you could listen to and share with your friends? Well, you're in luck, because we now at Pirate Christian Media have a YouTube channel that we upload content to on a weekly basis. We got programs like Twist Busters, You Don't Have to Be a Cessationist, Messed Up Church, Exclusive Skype Interviews, Pirate Gang Conversations, and our most popular segment, Dumpster Fire. So if you're looking for some extra Pirate Christian Media goodness in your life, head on over to YouTube and search for Fighting for the Faith and subscribe. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the good news of Jesus Christ has to do with the forgiveness of sins, not your satisfaction in the bedroom. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says, join our crew. The other says, become a patron. The other says, donate. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a fantastic way to support us because it helps us to have a steady, predictable amount of money coming in month after month so that we can budget properly, pay our bills, and and expand our territories, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, if you would like to support us on Patreon, become a patron. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we're doing here without it. All right, let's reset here. Another Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange. Syndicate update. Let's do this. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. 
When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts There they are standing in a row Big one, small one, some as big as your head Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts Every ball you throw will make me rich There stands me wife, the idol of me life Singing roller bowl a ball, a penny a pitch Singing roller bowl a ball, a penny a pitch Singing roller bowl a ball, a penny a pitch Roller bowl a ball, roller bowl a ball Singing roller bowl a ball, a penny a pitch yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're heading over to the Destiny Family Center, Destiny Family Center, as we listen to Chuck Balsamo explain to us how to master your atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm well, I'm going to go out on a limb here, folks. Um, I'm fairly convinced, like almost 197 percent convinced maybe 198% that atmospheric mastering is not a biblical doctrine. It's just saying, I'm going to risk it all here, uh, but uh, here's Chuck Balsamo. Here we go. Okay, let's jump into this message. I'm going to be starting a new series today. Master your atmosphere. Look at somebody next to you and say that right now. Go ahead. So, so here's, here's the idea behind it. My son actually created this graphic from Peru. Uh, those of you who have watched his social network, uh, his, his phone got stolen, his camera got stolen. It's a major, ma- amazing story what's happening in his life right now. So he had stuff stolen. Clearly he wasn't mastering his atmosphere if people were stealing stuff in the middle of his atmosphere. Yeah, it's just, you know, are you sure you know how to teach this doctrine? Um, but he even came up with the little subtitle. And it didn't have a subtitle. He goes, Dad, I made a subtitle. I said, okay. In a world with unlimited possibilities. Cool. So the idea is this. It is no secret there is lots of negativity in the world and nation. Would you say yes to that? Right? Um, we see people falling into discouragement. We see people falling into depression, into anger. People are tense, stressed out. Negativity and people are stressed out. Um doesn't Christianity usually have something to do with, you know, like sin and stuff like that? Okay. Um, in the last month, a lot of you probably were told you're number one by some crazy psycho driver. Under pressure to get somewhere, overworked, underpaid. We hear too much naysaying and just plain gutter talk about other people, about politics, about other shenanigans and everyday interactions. People are ticking time bombs. And if you want to do well in life, you have to learn how to navigate well. But I think it goes deeper than that. I think you have spiritual authority to command your own atmosphere. Like this guy here. Uh, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> lots of negativity out there, especially revolving around politics and so... We need to embrace the commanding of our atmospheres because this guy believes that we have that authority. Okay. Um, Do you have a biblical text that teaches us how to exercise 
this authority, the authority to command our atmospheres. I mean, in order for this to be a biblical doctrine and not uh, not like a doctrine like, you know, the doctrine of purgatory, um, you're going to need to um, actually have a biblical text that teaches this doctrine. You just don't get to make stuff up in Jesus's church and teach what you think you believe, not what God's word reveals. You kind of get the idea. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you know, he's probably in another religion. He's probably in Buddhism, but we're going to, we're actually going to say he's praying to Jesus. Um, and, and the crazy people are all around him. That's your wife, your wife, uh, your, your wife's friends. <laughs> Why didn't you pick George Costanza's father? You know, serenity now, serenity now. <laughs> Chauvinistic. Um, but some people, I, I was thinking about this tsunami. This is the way my mind works. It's going to be a tsunami coming down on people. And I, and I came up with this idea that some people, some people are destroyed by tsunamis and other people surf them. And you have to decide uh, uh, what. No, no. <laughs> you see, I, I, you know, I am not much of a surfer, but I do know a thing or two about surfing. And pretty much after that, not much else. But um, all surfing is done on waves. And waves are kind of like a combination of sea currents and wind conditions and, and also the way the, the, the topography of the, uh, the, the seafloor kind of all play into these things. But tsunamis are not uh, surfable. Um, uh, you know, like a large hundred foot wave is not a tsunami. That's a wave. Um, tsunamis, you know, basically the sea goes out and the sea comes crashing in, but you know, it's, you know, that's, that's, you know, and so he's got a picture of some guy surfing like a hundred and something foot wave, but that's not a tsunami. To do in the huge tide, in the crashing waves, how you're going to live your life. You're either going to be brought down by it or you're going to do something awesome with it. Can you say yes to this? And, um, and by the way, the world surfing record was just broke. Somebody just literally surfed a hundred foot wave and some people have claimed to do it, but they say that this was just recently the biggest wave ever surfed. So, uh, unbelievable. I think the ceiling is like 35 feet. So three times the, 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 the ceiling of this church, somebody was that high up on a wave. Come on guys. Um, and so uh, can you develop a winning attitude when negative societal waves are surging at your life? <laughs> negative societal waves. They come surging in after my life. I better grab my surfboard so I can surf those negative waves. <laughs> this is not a biblical teaching. To demolish it. Say yes. I believe you can't. The only reason they said yes is because you told them to. <laughs> Do you see the manipulation taking place with this man-made doctrine? Yeah, wow. Not if you're passive. Not if you're passive. You have to. You have to. You have to become responsible for the air you're breathing. You have. To <laughs> How on earth does one become responsible for the air I'm breathing? What does that sentence mean? Why aren't you opening up the Bible and, you know, teaching it? Become responsible for your home. You have to become responsible for your work cubicle. 
To drive out the darkness, you have to stand up with unrestrained positivity and action. Say action. Unrestrained, strained positivity. Uh, where in the Bible does it say that I need to have unrestrained positivity? I'd like to see that text, please. You have to live intentional or by default. I hate to say it like this. I don't know how else to say it. Okay. Your life will probably suck. Uh, I just wanted to shock and all you with that idea. <laughs> oh, man. What is this? So, uh, you know, imagine, I mean, if you would, you know, you wake up on a Sunday morning and, you know, you, you, you don't. Most people are pretty casual nowadays, but still, you know, you think you're going to church. So, you know, you want to dress up a little bit. I mean, you know, so you put on your your nicest casual stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, so, and, you know, you, you, you guys, you know, we actually comb our hair on that day and shave and things like that. And yeah, and you get the kids kind of dressed up a little bit, not too overdone, you know, cause everything's really casual nowadays. And, you know, the family looks comfortable and they look happy and you throw everybody in the minivan and you drive to church Right, you know, and you get there, and they have the thirty-five minutes of monotonous, brain-numbing, repetitive, <laughs> so-called worship music, and your brain is already at this point goo. Yeah, it's just a mess, and your your critical thinking skills have completely fled from you. And <laughs> there you are, and the guy says, "You need to have unrestrained positivity, and you need to have, and you need to live intentional." Or your life will, you know, and, and then he says, you know, it'll stink or something like that. And you're, and you're going, wow, this is the best thing ever. So you write this down. You know, you take a note. So this is the message that God wants me to know. To, and you're not hearing anything even remotely sounding like or approaching biblical teaching. It, it, <laughs> so you need to live intentional in order to make your dreams come true. Uh-huh. This is the plot for a Disney film. A dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. Yeah, this is not biblical teaching at all. By default, that's what'll happen. Mm. You have to dream, you have to plan, yeah. and you have to make your dreams come true, right? Right, yeah. And because nobody's going to do this for you, and though it- yeah, nobody's going to make my dream come true for me. Yeah, so I got to you to do this myself. How do I go about doing this? I got to make my dreams come true. What does this have to do with Jesus or anything taught in the Bible? It doesn't always seem like it. You have the power. Oh, you've got the power. Okay, yeah. Right. I do. You say yes. Oh, uh, okay. Because he said so. I got to say yes. Yes, I got the power. Yeah, I don't believe you for a minute. The only reason why anyone's saying yes is because you told them to. And when you become irritated enough with current situations. I'm very irritated with this current situation with you teaching man-made doctrines. Yes, I am. You'll rise up and you will own your realm with... This is some kind of weird pep talk. I've got to take responsibility for my cubicle and my atmosphere and rise up and take control of my realm. I sound like a king. Okay. Faith that God has given you and with corresponding actions and your life will begin to change. No. I knew it. I can hardly wait. My life is about to change. I don't care how suppressed you feel right now. 
I, I'm feeling suppressed. Okay. I care how depressed you feel right now. I don't care. I'm feeling depressed about feeling suppressed. How hopeless you feel right now. You can throw it all off. Throw it off, man. Just chuck it off you. <laughs> what Bible passage are you reading right now? You can begin to turn things around. Yeah. And then you ask yourself, what parts of my atmosphere do I need to change? And so for the... I haven't even never seen my atmosphere. I didn't even know it had parts. Six weeks, myself and whoever the other speakers will be. Uh, I'm going to be missing one Sunday coming up in a few weeks. Um, we're going to talk about on this subject. And week by week, you're going to be taking back parts of your life. Does that sound exciting? Week by week, man, I'm you're taking back parts of my life. I'd like the skinny part of my life back. Thank you. Yeah, right? You're going to be practical. This is a very practical series. Oh, We're yeah. going to talk about mastering your relationships, mastering your health, mastering your mind, mastering your habits, your fun. Yeah, mastering your mind, taught by a man who clearly sounds like he's out of his. This is your faith, your relationship with God. Again, if you don't take care of this, if you don't take care of business, yeah. nobody's going to do this for you. Taking care of business every day. Yeah. Are you ready to take your life back? Yeah, I'm ready, man. How do I do it? So there were instances when Jesus had to change the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> what instances did Jesus change atmospheres and when were we told to do the same? Or he could manifest his inner Messiah. He had to... What? Hang on, I kind of... This is bizarre. I almost feel like this needs to go into a dumpster fire. All right, hang on a second here. Okay, so um, Jesus had to do something to his, his um, atmospheres in order to manifest his inner Messiah. <laughs> Where does it talk about Jesus' inner Messiah? You know, I, I'm just asking. So I back this up just a little bit. Let's listen again for context here. If you don't take care of business, yeah. nobody's going to do this for you. Nobody. Are you ready to take your life back? Yes. So there were instances when Jesus had to change the atmosphere before he could manifest his inner Messiah. Oh, man. <laughs> this is so bad. Whew. Yeah, that Jesus, man. Before his inner Messiah was saying, let me out, let me out, let me out. And, and he was going, whoa, 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 slow down there, little inner Messiah guy. We can't, can't let you out yet. I got to I gotta change the atmosphere first. <laughs> what is this? He had to change the atmosphere. Yeah. He had to take charge. Yeah. He had to take authority. Move. A lot of times we think that we can't take authority. We think that it is the way it is. And that's not true. No. For instance, in his hometown, how many of you have read the New Testament of, of the Bible? Raise your hand. Um, in his hometown, what was his hometown's name? Nazareth. Nazareth. Well, Bethlehem, he was born there. Oh, that was a good one right there, trying to challenge me. But Nazareth became known as his hometown. This is a place where he grew up. He was, he was born in Bethlehem, um, but they didn't believe because he grew up there. And then when he steps up and he goes, I'm the Messiah, they're like, yeah, but, like, we've seen you all these years. There's no way you could be. Yeah, why don't you read the text? I think that reading the text may be helpful. 
(laughs) And by the way, when you start to step up and move into greatness, many people will see you from a historical standpoint. Yeah, when you're ready to manifest your inner Messiah, yeah, just like when Jesus did in his hometown, there are going to be people who are just going to tell you, who do you think you are? Yeah, put that little inner Messiah inside of you away because we don't want to see that. We know who you are. This is, talk about a teaching designed to pretty much just play into your inner narcissist. Uh, That would be your sinful nature. Yeah, that would be this. I, I think you get the point. All right, moving along, uh, time for a Perry Stone update. Now, notice this is going to be Jim Baker and Perry Stone, but I'm going to have the update music fall on the Perry Stone emphasis, if you would. So let's do this. I'm a nut. I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. Of my shoulders is sour loose. I ain't got sense, God gave a goose. Lord, I ain't crazy, but I'm a nut. Is it wetter underwater if you're there when it rains? Is it shorter to New York than it is by plane? Between myself and I, I wonder who's the dumber. Is it hotter down south than it is in the summer? I'm a nut. I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. The head of my shoulders is sour loose. I ain't got since God gave a goose. Lord, I ain't crazy, but I'm a nut. All right, so uh, we're heading over to the Jim Baker Show. And uh, if you remembered, it was just a few weeks ago. I know I took a couple off, but a few weeks ago, we had Terry Savelle Foy explaining to us uh, the importance of soul ties. Soul ties. And, and here's the problem. There are the same exact number of verses that teach the doctrine of soul ties as there is that teach the primacy of the Pope. Mm-hmm. Thinking, well, wait a second there, Chris. The, the Bible doesn't teach anything about the primacy of the Pope. Bingo. On the nosy, you kind of get the point. So uh, now... When Terry Savelle Foy taught about soul ties, she was explaining to us that this comes about through inappropriate relationships, you know, formal caboodling and things like that. And uh, which, by the way, formal caboodling will lead to not a soul tie, but you becoming one flesh with somebody, which is not a good thing. Uh, unless you're married to that person, which is the whole purpose of the one fleshing thing, but that's a whole other thing. But it, you know, the best way I can put it now is that Perry Stone has come along and on the Jim Baker show has not on one episode, but two episodes talked about political soul ties, which kind of begs the question, did this inv- do the, the formation of these particular soul ties involve formal caboodling? <laughs> I don't know. Here's uh, Perry Stone and Jim Baker to discuss soul ties. Jim Baker will set this up by first discussing Donald Trump. Of course, here we go. You said God put him there. He's the Cyrus of the day. Mm-hmm. How can this be? What is the difference? You ready for a phrase? I want to know what the dif- what's the difference between the two. Is it knowledge or what? Is it I knowledge w- that you have uh, in your head? Yeah. Knowledge that he- but he has... I, 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 I thought this was in your page 154. Jim, here's your answer. Ready? All right. Dangerous soul ties to a political spirit. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Soul ties to a political spirit. 
yeah, um, yeah, that's found in the same part of the Bible where prayers of the Virgin Mary exist, and those don't exist. So you get a note, uh, Perry Stone be holding up a book in his hand there. That is not a Bible. No, that's his new book about end times codes and prophecies and stuff. <sighs> yeah, I wish I was making that up. Okay. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Let me explain. Whoa. Read that again. Okay. That, there are dangerous. Now, listen. That's an answer. Now, this is the answer. Mm. It, there oh, is yeah. a political soul spirit, tied. and there soul are people ties. who are soul tied to a political Ooh. party no matter what happens. No, no. Soul tied to political parties and stuff. Ah! It's the end of the world. No Bible text teaches this. This is a man made doctrine. I've heard of They don't care if they kill I've babies. They don't care if they destroy marriage. Come on. They don't They're... care if they wreck up the Bible. They Why are... don't you talk about the fact that people, human beings, are born dead in trespasses and sins, and they're at enmity with God. They do not obey God's law. They cannot do so. There are biblical texts that actually say that. It has nothing to do with soul ties. It has everything to do with the sinful human nature. So, well, Mama voted that way. Daddy voted that way. That's We're fourth right. generations. Yeah, it's a soul tie. It's a soul tie. And when you have... How can it be a soul tie? The Bible doesn't teach these things. That kind of is. a tie, it is the most... And here's why it's difficult to break. Ready? Because any tie like that is tied to emotion. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're so difficult to break these soul ties. Yeah. But kryptonite, you know, with um, a garlic-soaked crucifix... That, yeah, that just you just cuts right through, chop, 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 cuts right through those soul ties. Yeah. Again, you know, since this is a man-made doctrine, you can come up with your own solution to how do I get rid of a soul tie? Well, first thing you got to do is you got to send me a thousand dollars. Yeah, send me a thousand dollars, and well, <laughs> that's step one to you know, undoing your soul ties. And then you need to get some sage, you know, and uh, in you know, but buy it in a bundle, and you need to burn part of it in the basement of your house. In the north corner. Mm -hmm. And after that, you put salt around the uh, windows of the second floor of your house. And if you don't have a second floor, then you have to do this whole procedure at somebody else's house where they have a basement and a second floor. I'm just making all this up, by the way. It, it, the, the reason why is because the Bible don't teach nothing like this. And so he's just making stuff up and everyone's going, ah! This is great because, you know, Perry Stone, he's a Bible teacher, so he's telling me the truth. This has got to be from God, right? You no, know, this is not from God. We're talking about Boy, soul ties. Soul ties. Yeah. So it, Are you all listening watch, at all? Watch him get emotional. Is the sound on Watch him on the news. Oh, we do. No, watch him on the news get emotional. Real if, emotional. If somebody comes on. Oh, they're crying. If somebody comes on and says, well, you know there's an... Yeah, see, the fact that somebody's emotional politically. <laughs> That proves they have a soul tie because nobody, you know, sanely, using sane logic and reason would ever become emotional regarding anything a politician says. So the fact they got a, emotional proves they have a soul tie. Yeah, that, that, that particular doctrine cuts both ways, left and right. Have you noticed, noticed that, Perry? Well, I'm just going to tell you what, working with a dictator ain't going to – I mean, if you watch the left, pay attention – the conservatives are sitting there keeping their calm, and the left is screaming, foaming at the mouth, beating the table, looking around. Why? Because – Yeah, I've noticed that about the left, and have you noticed that the left doesn't embrace biblical truth? 
and that they refuse to bend the knee to God's clear word in his law. Uh-huh. It, it's because of sin, by the way. Group is rationally comparing and say, okay, let's compare what's happened then to now. The economy's up, better jobs. There's something going on. But the other side is so tied to that side and if they're tied to that side, it is impossible for them to agree with anything good. I mean, the man could get up and walk on water, raise somebody from the dead, and they're going to say, he's a false prophet. Right. Yeah. That's what right. they, Yeah. Um, it's funny you, you talk that way because Jesus Christ actually performed miracles in the sight of, you know, scribes and Pharisees. And they said that he had a demon, Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus said of them they were of their father, the devil, re- relating to the fact that they were under the dominion of darkness. Not, he didn't say anything about them having soul ties. Just wanted to point that out. Jesus, No, right? that's what they did to Jesus. <laughs> oh, see, see, the, the Pharisees... Okay, now, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with this particular line of logic, and the reason I'm uncomfortable with it is because comparing Trump to Jesus... <sighs> Yeah, that, that's facepalm. I don't care if you're right or left. That's facepalm territory right there. Understand it now! <laughs> now, the Pharisees had a soul tie. I mean, the, the, the Pharisees had a soul tie to the Romans. Mm-hmm. What? What? <laughs> okay, uh, Perry, I need a biblical text. Chapter and verse, please, that says that the Pharisees had a soul tie to the Romans. Um, yeah, let's see. I'm going to just do a quick search in my Bible, because I know it's in the Gospel of John. And uh, I think it's in 6, but uh, yeah, it, it, here it is. Uh, John 8. Okay, John eight forty four. Jesus says of them, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the uh, so so here's the thing, Jesus never said. See, the reason why you're opposing me is because you have a soul tie to the Romans. No, he said. He said the reason why you're opposing me is because you're of your father, the devil. You see, the yeah. So I'm going to go with the the biblical explanation that Jesus gave us, rather than this man-made doctrine. <laughs> that Perry Stone is giving us. By the way, which kind of begs the question, what will he be teaching next? Should we be praying to saints next, Perry? Because your doctrine is in the same category as that. When Jesus came, they make this statement. We better deal with him because the Romans will come and take our position and take our city. Yeah. And they thought, Jesus, if he raises up too many people, the common people are going to raise up. Politics and money. Absolutely. Politics. Yeah, so it's all about soul ties. And by the way, the next episode of the uh, Jim Baker show, which is what I got queued up right here, uh, they talked again about soul ties. Apparently, this you know Jim Baker's mind just went, and uh, he, oh, oh boy, this whole soul tie thing—it's going to revolutionize my whole theology. Forget the fact that no biblical text teaches it. But do you see number seven here? And, mm-hmm. and, and this, you, I, 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 I love this general. Booth of the Salvation Army, yeah. and there's the there's the book, uh, deciphering end time prophetic codes. Yeah, that's the latest book from Perry Stone. Basically, 
Uh, the false doctrine, uh, you know, oh, you want to learn the secrets of what's coming around the corner and, you know, who's going to be riding the beast and the Antichrist and all like, oh, don't worry, don't. Perry Stone has spent t- you know, decades of his life cracking prophetic codes. Yeah, um, the fact that he has invented doctrines like soul ties, political soul ties, proves this man is just a wacko. Six prophecies. He was amazing, wasn't he? But he hit it on the head. Mm. And most people have never heard him. Never. Never heard this. And I, and I, and I bring those out. Founder of self- Do you hear the sappy music playing in the background? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's an emotional manipulation technique there. Page, yeah, yeah, page 145, I bring those six out and I comment on them because yeah. they've, all, they've all come to pass. It's amazing. amazing. Many years ago. But this out. number eight yeah. is spectacular. Soul spectacular. ties to political. Soul t- yeah. Here's what's wrong in America. Soul ties to political spirits. Oh, no. This is what's wrong with America. How do we go about breaking all these soul ties? Well, since it's a man-made doctrine. Okay. That means I have a lot of authority here. Okay. Let me, let me explain here. I'm going to do something out of the kindness of my heart. Now, they want you to buy the you know code, end-time deciphering prophetic codes and all that kind of stuff. Oh, forget that. You, know, you don't need to send your money to Jim Baker. You know, I, I you know, so I'm going to just agree with them that the United States is steeped in political soul ties, and so being that I am as magnanimous as I am, and as kind and generous as I am, by the authority invested in me, see from from God Almighty, from some power somehow that was transferred to me in inexplicable ways, but using that authority for good and not for evil, and selflessly doing so, by the way, I have chosen to go ahead and break every existing political soul tie here in the United States of America. And here here I go. I'm going to do it right now. There they are. That's it. They're They're broken. Yeah, that's right. It's problem solved. So, folks, you know, I know that I, I'm now eligible to win the Nobel Peace Prize for 2018. Now that I've solved this political soul tie problem, but please, I, I, what I did, I did out of the kindness of my heart. I don't, I don't need glory for this at all. Let all the glory go to the Lord. That's why people go crazy. Mm-hmm. They have soul ties. You know, and you have people that uh, will say, well, we've always done that. Our family's always gone to that church. Do you have a soul tie to the wrong place? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you don't anymore because I just broke every one of them out of the kindness of my heart. Wow. You well, know, I this think is, you, so well, that's you get why both Perry for $70. Answered you answered the question that For just- $70, you can jo- join the Codes, Prophecy, and Teamwork Club. At the Jim Baker program. That's $70 wasted because I, for free, canceled every single one of the political soul ties in the United States by the power invested in me through mysterious transmission of spiritual authority and stuff. Yeah. But Jim, you have a soul tie. You know you have a soul tie when you know you should change and you won't. There. Yeah, that's the, see, that, so that's a soul tie. There, that's the definitive Found in Fourth Hesitations, chapter 97, in, in the Apocrypha, I think. Um, yeah, so that's how you know. 
When you know that's you should it. do that something different. How can, no, when you know that's you what should, I keep seeing. Why can these? Why do these people continue to continue? Yeah. In other words, I, and I've why t- can't these people see that this is a totally man-made doctrine and these guys are making stuff up? And everyone's going, whoa, I'm going to send $70 to Jim Baker. I might even buy a $1,000 food bucket. Oh, boy. People, I said, here's what the Bible says. This, 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 and this. That person believes against this, 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 and this. But you're still, you're still backing them. So the Bible says in the last days they'll believe a lie. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. In fact, let me let, me let this verse kind of roll out across the screen. Watch this. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Second Thessalonians 2.11, therefore God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Yeah, said unironically by Jim Baker, but noted as the irony it is here at the Fighting for the Faith YouTube channel and the Fighting for the Faith podcast. Because, yeah, the whole idea of political soul ties, soul ties in general, that's a lie, which basically proves that Perry Stone and Jim Baker clearly have come under the strong delusion mentioned in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which, by the way, is also fascinating, worth looking at, by the way. 2 Thessalonians 2 says this, Concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming uh, to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. Apparently, back in the time of the Apostle Paul, they had uh, (laughs) rapture dreamers and stuff like that. Um, Anyway, uh, let no one deceive you in any way for that day, the the day of the Lord, when Jesus returns. It will not come unless the rebellion, fascinating word, by the way, there in the Greek, uh, rebellion, Greek word apostasia, mm -hmm, it means, you know, rebellion, lawlessness. Unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So this is talking about the coming lawless one, the man of lawlessness himself, who sets himself up in the temple of God, which is the church, proclaims himself to be God. And here's what it says then. So do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what's restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only those who now, uh, the one who restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one. Now this then sets the context for verse 11. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception. Mm -hmm. Yes, the teaching of political soul ties falls under the category of a wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So because of that... God, therefore, sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, like the doctrine of political soul ties, in order that they that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth and who had pleasure in unrighteousness. So ironic that uh, Jim Baker would quote 2 Thessalonians 2.11 while proclaiming the man-made doctrine of political soul ties. Yeah. I think you get the point. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, 
you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back, we're heading over to the Toronto Airport Church and we're going to be listening to a sermon about how to have a deep inner life with God. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Yeah. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Alright, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Sermon review time. Gotta admit, having a couple weeks off from having to review bad sermons, good for my mental health. (laughs) Yes, we're getting ready to take the plunge back into insanity. Hope you're ready. I couldn't say for sure whether I am or not, but uh, let's do this right. Wow, wow, wow. 
good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon uh, reviewing service. We're heading over to the Toronto Airport Church. Sarah Jackson presiding, name of the message, A Deep Inner Life with God. And uh, as you've noted, so far, every one of the segments that we've done, this one included, will uh, fall woefully short in actually teaching you anything from the Bible. At least the people teaching that we're featuring won't be teaching you anything from the Bible. I'll see if we can fill something in somehow from the Bible. But yeah, we'll also note that this woman has no business preaching because God's word forbids her to do what it is that she's about to do. But of course, she has a deep inner life with God and she's filled with the spirit and stuff. So, hey, there you go. So I think you get the point. Let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here is Sarah Jackson and a deep inner life with God. Here we go. This morning... We're launching a new series on hearing God in a deafening world. Mm. Who wants to grow in hearing God's voice? Yeah, I I, I would point this out. When the the Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus, uh, he had never once taken a class on how to hear the voice of God. And when Jesus spoke to him, he heard Jesus like loud and clear. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of go with... If God, the creator of the universe, who's sovereign, all-powerful, almighty, you know, omnipresent, and all the all that, you know, stuff about God, that if he wants to communicate to me, I don't need to take no classes on how to hear him. I mean, if he says, Chris, I'll go, ha! <laughs> yes, Lord, how can I help you? You, 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 see, the, you see, that's kind of how that works. You know, no, no Paul, the Apostle Paul never took a class on how to hear God's voice, and yet he heard Jesus just fine. So, <clears throat> just saying, we continue. I don't know about you, but I've, I've got all my hands and my feet up, if that were possible, because hearing God's voice as children of God, is, it's our lifeline. It's our place of connection, Yes. Well, I hear God's voice every time I open up my Bible and read it, so okay. And our worlds are quite loud. I don't know if you've experienced the the loudness of, you know, you've got your school and career and family and friends and children and all the sort of arenas that we play out our life in. Each one of them can have a loud voice. And then there's the busyness with which we fill in all this. Yeah, but what if you work in a library, you know? Places. You know, maybe you don't. Maybe you're incredibly disciplined and you leave lots of space in your life and you're very good at resting. Nudge, nudge. Nudge your neighbor and say, are you making space to rest? Am I making space to rest? Okay, I I, I guess so, yeah. I just got back from vacation. If God rested, you can too. But after the loudness and the busyness of our world, often we, we fill in the space with zoning out. You know what, zo- what zones you out in your life, whether it's Netflix, whether it's social media, whether it's other things... Heresy, yeah. And what often happens is we 
in the midst of the busyness of our life, we don't have much space to hear God. And it's hard to hear him when our life is busy and loud and when our hearts are busy and loud. Because sometimes when the busyness stops, our hearts, you know, your internal life is still there. Have you noticed that? And then it's just kind of going round and round. What biblical text are you preaching from again? I'm curious. Around thinking about all the things that were just so loud and busy and intense in your life. And I really felt this morning that the father spoke a few things that he wants to do in us. Mm, you, you heard God the father directly giving you direct revelation that he wants the people there to hear rather than the Bible. Number one, that there is going to be an impartation of an increase in our ability to, rec- to hear his voice this morning. An impartation of an increase of an ability. Uh-huh. Apparently God doesn't know how to speak in good grammar, but okay, yeah. Number two, that he's going to be opening ears where people have felt like they've been living with spiritual deafness. Where it's like, you're, you're like, I feel like I just can't hear when I know that I can, that there's just going to be an... Op- are, are you experiencing a feeling of spiritual deafness? Uh-huh. ...up of people's ears. And number three, that he is going to be increasing faith and expectation in you. To- He's going to increase expectation. Wow, I can hardly wait. Hear God's voice in, in your day. And not in just a, like, my son... Why do I feel like you're just making this up and claiming that God told you this? Speak to the person at the desk next to you and share my love with them. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're in a meeting and somehow you get no credit whatsoever for a big project that you've just done. And all the credit goes to the person your colleague, and they don't say anything, and you're having a total orphan moment. Anybody ever experienced one of those? And you're like, and you know, either you say things out loud, or you kind of go home and you rant, and your heart is like, I am so angry about this. In that moment, that your heart is connected with the Holy Spirit, with your father who's speaking life to you, who reminds you of who you are, who reminds you of who promotes you, who reminds you that you're a son, you're a daughter, that you can remain in a place of peace even when your circumstances look stormy, that your internal life can be filled with peace. I want that. I want to live out of that more and more and more. Some of you may have heard this analogy, but we have a mirror at home that I love. I found it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, she still hasn't opened a Bible yet. What exactly, what biblical doctrine are you teaching again? I it. I rescued it. I chalk painted it. Which, if you know my action levels in life, you know was quite an achievement. And we've hung it in our stairwell, and it brings me joy when I look at it. And I had a friend come over one day, and she looked at, you know, doing the thing you do when you look in mirrors. And she looked in the mirror, and then she gave a gasp. And then she gave me this accusational glance. 
was like, Sarah, this is a fat mirror. And it's true. Unfortunately, the mirror has a warp in it. That basically means everything between about here and here looks substantially bigger. And you, you have to look at the frame when you look at the mirror, guys. That's, that's the vision of my mirror. But it, it, it's a mirror that makes you look a lot larger. And, you know, I was like, oh, yes. We laughed about it. But God spoke to me and he said, our lives are like that mirror. Really? God told you that our lives are like your fat mirror. You sure you were hearing from God? For many of us, we walk around in life and our lives, our families, our careers, our jobs are reflected back to us in a warped way. And the message that our lives reflect back to us, we will believe unless we are connected to the speaker of truth and the speaker of identity who is our Father God. Because when you're in... Yeah, how can I connect to the speaker of truth when everything you're saying is a lie? None of this is actually biblical. And God the Father really didn't say or reveal any of the things that you just said that he supposedly spoke to you and revealed to you. A room... And something happens and you think, I'm the only one who doesn't belong in here. I obviously, I'm the one who doesn't fit. Or when you're thinking about your, a mistake you've made, a failure, and that thought comes back to you, oh, that failure is so big. I'm totally disqualified from everything in life. That is us looking into the warped mirror of life And not hearing the voice of truth speak to us. Since you haven't quoted a single biblical text, I'm pretty much convinced at this point that you're not a speaker of truth. See, if we can be living, anchored, connected on a moment-by-moment basis with our Heavenly Father, recognizing His voice, when that moment happens... When that moment, when that, you, you feel like, oh, I'm the only one. I'm all alone. This will never happen. When that voice speaks loudly in your head, you'll be able to step into the embrace of your heavenly father. So in order for me to experience this, I have to first hear voices in my head. Check. Got it. Okay. Who says, no, you're my daughter. You're my beloved. I see you. I chose you. And instead of your insides having your level 10 orphan moment, your insides can connect in with truth and life and security and peace. You know, the mirror of our world, the busyness, the distractedness, the kind of deafening voices we're bombarded with every day. They reflect lies. They exaggerate failures. They accuse, condemn. Yeah, this sermon is chock full of lies. Yeah. Deceive us on many things. And 
what we can sometimes do is compartmentalize our life. Where we sort of live our life and then we get home and we have made it. And we are like, oh, now I must spend time in order to go back out there again. And it's as though we're going back out there without him. We don't want to be going back out there without him. He's there anyway. Let's hear his voice. Let's live in communion. Let's develop that internal life with him. You know, we know that the father is the one who speaks identity to us and over us. Where in scripture does it say that the father speaks identity to us and over us? I would like you to show me that in the Bible, please. You can see that demonstrated at Jesus' baptism. Oh, I see. So when Jesus was baptized and God said to him, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that's not some universal doctrine where God now is going to speak identity to you and over you and stuff. That's kind of missing the point because Jesus is the Messiah and, you know, the fact that he's the son of God, good news for us in, in that regard. In Matthew 3, Mark 1, Luke 3, each one describes the moment of Jesus' baptism. When he comes to receive baptism from John, which was the baptism of repentance, which we all know Jesus didn't need. But he came to identify us, identify with us. And he goes into the waters of Jordan. And Ed Purick talks about this incredibly in his book, The Central Event. But he comes to stand in weakness with us. He comes to identify with us in our moments of disconnection and brokenness. Uh, you, you mean sin, right? What exactly is disconnection and brokenness? And in that moment, as he willingly embraces that, we hear the voice of the Father come from heaven and say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That securing voice, that anchoring voice, the voice that reminds us of who we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got to be careful here because um, prior to us being brought to penitent faith in Christ, we're at war with God. We are under the dominion of darkness, enemies of God and Christ. I don't know about you and what all your life circumstances entail. But I'm pretty sure you and I need to hear his voice reminding us of our belovedness to him on a daily basis. Because that is what holds us when our life circumstances are rocked and thrown up and down and in unexpected directions. When our life reflects things back to us that shake our heart, who he says we are is what holds us and grounds us in truth. So how do we develop our ability to hear God in the midst of noise, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of our jobs, our families, children, all that good stuff? I'd I'd say to you, if you want to hear God more clearly, 
Read your Bible. Then we need to develop an inner life of connection with Him. Mm-hmm. And how exactly does one go about developing an inner life of connection with God? Can you show me from the Bible what the steps are for developing that? An inner life of connected relationship with God. Because that inner life is what is going to teach us to recognize his voice when things are very live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where in scripture does it say that? This is a man-made doctrine. Yeah, you might as well believe that, um, yeah, that we become gods, you know, and and that our God lives on planet Kolob. Mm-hmm. All man-made stuff here. Now, when I talk about developing an inner life of connection, I'm not talking about you praying, talking, reading, doing. You know, because sometimes we just bring the busyness and loudness of our life into our times with God. Well, I... So she's not talking about you, you know, reading a Bible. No, you can't develop an inner connected life of connectedness and stuff if you're, you know, reading. Um, I've arrived, God. I'm now going to read my three chapters. I've made notes on my three chapters. I've journaled. I've asked the Lord about the two questions I have about my family. I'm now going to pray for my family and pray for my friends. I'm going to make declarations of my life. And uh, Reading your Bible and praying for you and your family is actually an important thing. And the Bible teaches both of those concepts. Okay, boom, done, on to the next thing. You know, maybe you bring that level of activity into your life. The thing is, Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, God is not saying, hey, be still and know that I am God. So put that Bible down and stop praying to me. That's not what the psalm says. It doesn't say be busy and know that I'm God. It doesn't say be effective and know that I'm God. It doesn't say be extremely disciplined and know that I'm God. It says be still. And you know what? A lot of us struggle with being still. We're like, I, I was still, Sarah. I came in, I said, Lord, is there anything you want to say? And then he didn't say anything. I mean, I waited like, I gave him an opportunity, five or 10 seconds, maybe 15. And there was just nothing at all. Well, I don't know if you've ever carried a bowl of water and it's slopping violently over the sides and then you plonk it down on a table. It kind of takes a while for the water to still and that's what our hearts are like many of us live now i'm going to note she took a passage out of context psalm 46:10 is the verse the three rules for sound biblical exegesis are context 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 those are your three rules for sound biblical exegesis psalm 46 is pretty small let's read it psalm 46:1 God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, 
Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of Yahweh, how he has brought desolations on the earth He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so when you read it in context, you realize, oh, this text isn't saying don't come to God and read your Bible. No, 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 don't do that. And don't come to God, read your Bible and pray. No, 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 no. Just be still. Just sit there quietly. Know that he's got, that's not the point of the passage. So taking it out of context and now turning it into like a commandment, she's utterly, utterly abused this text and is deceiving these people with all kinds of nonsense such a pace in our lives and stillness inner stillness is so unusual that when we attempt it for 30 seconds nothing much happens and we're like well obviously the Lord didn't want to say anything to me it doesn't work this stuff you were talking about Sarah well stillness is not for quiet contemplative people It's not just, well, it is for them, but it's not only for them. Developing a deep, interconnected life is not about jumping through the hoops of things it's good to do in your time with God. Developing a deep, inner life with him is about being and allowing yourself to be with God and listen gasp of surprise again biblical text please that teaches this because psalm 46 10 doesn't teach this and i'm not talking about journaling and i love journaling look at one of my many many journals where you you know you journal and like lord you ask him a question and then you write down the spontaneous thoughts that you hear and then you like Uh, automatic writing is a technique of the occult Uh huh. That was great. Thank you very much. Off I go. (laughs) Did you even read it through? I'm waggling my eyebrows at you because I know what it's like. School of Ministry students, I've, I've been in the School of Ministry. That's not listening. That is listening, but that's like level one listening. May I invite you into the deeper listening? Where you... Mm, deeper listening, huh? Yeah, she's going to invite us in there. Apparently, she's there already, and she's going to invite us in because, you know, she's been there. Uh, again, what biblical text are you teaching from here? Sit and wait and see what God wants to say. 
Maybe you just put on a worship song or two and soak. Not in like, oh, you know, you're not leaping into tongues. You're not leaping into fervent intercession. You're waiting and listening because you know what you want to do? It says, be still and know that I am God. When we take the time to be still, we start to get to know who God is. We start to get to know his goodness, his kindness, his mercy. When I first started taking time to do this, years ago, I would take like a Saturday morning without, so it wasn't my like, I now have 15 minutes or I now have 45 minutes. It was like, I'm going to take as long as it takes. I would, um, I, I read through um, Abba Father by Brennan Manning. Phenomenal book. I really recommend it. And I read through it many. No, no, can't recommend it. I'm, I intended to bring my extremely scuffy, you know, overread copy with me, but somehow in between juggling children, it failed to make it in my bag. But I would read a chapter and then I would just sit and let the Holy Spirit thoughts light on my heart. I would let the response of my heart bubble up. And you see, sometimes the reason we don't like silence is because we don't like what bubbles up when we are silent. Hypothetically, you know someone in your family who's experienced that. You're like, I was silent, and then I began to think about things, and then I'm going to began to feel some quite negative, horrible feelings, so I just shut that silence down and got back on my phone, and, and I want to challenge you. If you want to grow in hearing God's voice, choosing stillness, choosing to cultivate a deep inner life with God is going to bring you so much fruit. It may feel uncomfortable, weird, and awkward at the beginning. Come on, people. Don't we love to embrace the awkward? Embrace it! A lot of us want to grow in hearing God's voice but still live exactly as we've already lived. Let's make some change. What if this week you started just carving out at one space a week where you've... Yeah, what if? Yeah, yeah. Well, that would assume that something that you're teaching is actually biblical. All you've done is twist and mangle and distort Psalm 4610. I'm going to, this is going to be my listening time. This is going to be my still, and I'm going to actually not just do, but let God come and speak to my heart. And maybe as a fruit of that, you write stuff down that he says. You know, when I first started doing it, Actually, it started to reveal some of the yucky stuff in my heart. I did quite a lot of forgiveness. I did quite a lot of business with God. Nancy's nodding at me. She knows this is true. When, we, when, we, when we, we're still, sometimes the thing, you're like, what is this? And sometimes we spend our lives being busy so that we avoid that. 
So what's the fruit of this? You're like, really, Sarah? For those who are looking at me suspiciously. And that's not a judgy suspicious. I'm, you know, I realize that the thought of stillness, some of you are feeling fairly horrified right now. It's okay. It's going to be all right. You know, our goal in hearing God cannot be to isolate ourselves from the busyness of the world. Because our world is... Yeah, again, you sure do seem to be, you know, talking practically here. But again, where is any of this taught in the Bible? These are all man-made doctrines that this woman is spewing. There's loudness, there's deafening voice. It cannot be for all of us to be like, we're all going to go and live in caves. Some of you are like, I wish I could live in a cave. I'm sorry, but that's not what this message is about. In John 16, 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he, he, he says, I'm telling you all these things so that in me, you will have peace. In this life, you will have trouble. Yeah, so Jesus didn't say, so therefore go and go and learn how to hear the still small voice of God. Be still and just listen. Yeah, Jesus wasn't saying that. You're taking Jesus' words out of context to make it appear like Jesus was, hey, listen, guys, you got to go and do that listening time thingy. That's not what that text is about. You're like, what? What are you talking about? Peace, Jesus. I like the peace. And sometimes we we segment our life and imagine that over here is the happy, happy land of peace all the time and nothing bad ever happens. Yeah, I've never done that. But I don't don't think God's talking about that. He knows there's going to be storms. He knows there's going to be troubles and challenges we face in our lives. But he is talking about the internal peace. That comes when we have built connection, connected, back and forth relationship with him. So that regardless of what's happening out here in our lives, we have a place of peace within us that is in him. Again, biblical text for this, please. And what is that weird music? Is that somebody's phone going off? Philippians 4, 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Yeah, which is an explanation for what prayer is. Present your petitions. Not decree and declare. Yeah. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will God... Did you not see that that biblical text just contradicted what you said at the beginning of your sermon? You know, I'm not going to... Pray and read three chapters and and stuff like that. And this text says to pray and lay your petitions before God. Weird. Heart and mind. Number one, why would it transcend our understanding? Well, that's probably because it messes with our heads that we can have peace when everything is not perfectly as we want it to be. That sounds a really good messing with my head. Sounds to me like you don't know how to exegete a biblical text. I want that sort of thing that I can live out of peace 
so that my internal life is connected and peaceful regardless of what, what my circumstances are doing. Yes? Do you want that? Yes. Well, developing a deep inner life with him where you are... Yeah, again, that text doesn't talk about developing a deep inner life. The Bible passage you just quoted doesn't teach what you just said. In fact, it contradicted what you said earlier in the sermon. Listening and hearing his voice reminding you who you are is going to bring that. The peace is going to be the fruit of a deep inner life with him. No, that's not what the text says. You're inserting the deep inner life part into that text in Philippians. It's not there. And the second thing would be that peace is powerful. It's active. Did you see that peace would guard your heart and mind? Most of us hear God in our hearts and in our minds. When you are connected with peace internally, it is much easier to hear his voice. Has anyone experienced that? It is hard to hear when... So apparently, you know, just ask the question, has anyone experienced that? Oh, you, you experience it? Great. You see, that proves I'm right. No, this, you don't prove something to be true biblically by pointing to people's personal experiences. You're in deep inner turmoil inside. But when you've cultivated this inner deep relationship, your ability to hear his voice, even in those turbulent times, is much stronger. Says what biblical text? You literally are making this stuff up. For example, if we were in a room full of people talking... And Ben walked in and started talking. I didn't see him. I would be able to identify his voice amidst 30, 40 other voices. I know him. I love him. We have developed connection and relationship so that he. Again, I just point out the fact that the Apostle Paul didn't have to take classes on hear, how to hear the voice of God, he heard it the very first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird. And if other things are going on and there's a big party and da da da, I can be like, oh, I know where Ben is. I could probably point to the section of the room he's in. That's what we want to develop in our internal life. Because then, even in the midst of turbulence, even in the midst of hard times, difficult relational things, we can be like, wait, where is he? What's he saying? And be like, Father, what are you saying to me? I personally believe that bathrooms are God's gift to us in this. Really? So uh, one of the most amazing gifts to Christianity is uh, the gift of that small little room. Really helps you hear the voice of God. Who knew? Guys, the number of times in life where I've been in a hard moment where my heart is being like, "Ah," and I'm like, excuse me, I'll be right back. And I'm in the bathroom, I'm kidding you not, and I stand there and I'm like, Father, I step back into your love. I step back into that place of peace with you. 
there was one time I was like, I'm sure they think I've got a problem. I'm going to the bathroom so much. But I was like, I just need to step out of this moment and get there. And they'll be like, okay. Excuse me. I'll I'll be right back. I need to go hear from God. He talks to me when I'm in the loo. Okay. And I would feel my heart go from 10 to 1. And I'm like, I can get back out there. Seriously, if you've not thought of using the bathroom for that very helpful thing, you should do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it never crossed my mind. I tucked that one away and yay, wow, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Hardly wait to give that one a try. It works. So like, you know, the blue porta potties, that'd be like a TARDIS right to the very throne room of God so you can hear God. Yeah. For those of you who are like, but Sarah, as soon as I sit down to be still, I start remembering that I need to clean the fridge and contact Auntie Edith and, you know, every random thing known to mankind. Anybody else? Yesterday I was at a coffee shop. I sat down. I'm like, Jesus. And I just have a sweet time of prayer. I'm praying. I'm speaking. I open my journal to a crisp new page. And I'm like, ah. And immediately I'm like, oh, I need to pay that bill. And then I'm like, oh, I need to do this. And oh, oh my goodness, we need to look into that. And I just, I'm suddenly, I think I'm, my mind is bombarded by things, actually legitimate things that I've forgotten about. That is why this journal of power has everything in it. Right, yeah, she has a journal of power to help her when her mind is wandering during her still small voice sessions in the, in the bathroom. It's got my action lists, it's got my to-do lists, it's got my one day in far in the future to-do lists. And it's, so what I do, instead of being like, I rebuke you, thought, in the nombre de Jesus. In the nombre de Jesus. Got it, yep. I just feel like rebuking is often far more powerful in Spanish. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. I mean, Ricky Ricardo would, you know, always tell Lucy off in Spanish, you know. In, in all, all those who were at the conference the other week, you're like, surely. Um, but I just write, I just flip to a different page and I just write those things down. And then it's not buzzing around in my head anymore. And then I'm back to that place of, okay, Holy Spirit. I'm just waiting. I'm hanging out with you. What are you saying to me? Father, what do you want to say? How are you rooting and grounding me in love today? Not because it's all about me. Yeah, actually, this whole sermon is about you. Apparently, you got this all sorted out without any biblical text to help you sort it all out. Because you haven't walked any of us through any Bible passages that are teaching any of these things, especially regarding the loo. Because I want to be reminded of who I am so that I can live that out. I can be an overflow of that instead of constantly on the defensive reacting to life. So, you might ask, how does that play out in life, Sarah? Well, um, a few years ago, when I first went on maternity leave, from um, I used to work with the School of Ministry and did that for many years, loved it, totally a passion and a call on my life. 
there were, there were times when I would be in certain places or meetings and I could feel that little niggly feeling of maybe I don't belong anymore. What if, I'm, what if I'm not important? What if I'm not valued? What if I'm not longed for here? Now that is totally the reflection of the insecurities of my heart, not the reality. But there was one day when we were, I was sitting in a meeting and, and something happened and I could feel my heart went to a level 10 orphan moment. I'm talking about one of those moments where I'm like... And I'm like, I get uh, a full blown level 10 orphan moment. I, I've heard those are awful. Yeah. Um, my orphan moments usually only peak at like five or six, you know. Hear the voice screaming, You don't belong, see? And I, I, could, I could feel, and because, because I'm a feely person as well, that means I'm like, I can feel my emotions kind of going, and I'm like, I'm either about to burst into tears in front of all these people. And so I'm like, I'm like I didn't, you know, school minister, you know all the tricks of like how you don't cry. There's, you know, there's good things about how you can't, you can't cry while you drink water and all, all those sorts of things. I'm like, we are at Mayday level here, people. My heart is orphaning out. Quick, drink some water. And I know it's orphaning out. I know it's not the reality, but I'm like... And I just, I'm like, Father, what are you saying? And I can, in that moment, I just step back into, into his voice. Mm-hmm. Notice uh, we haven't really heard God's voice at all because she's completely throttled the Bible and isn't allowing it to speak at all. She's just speaking about her experiences and what she's kind of figured out regarding the still small voice, you know, inner, deep inner life thingy. I went from like level 10 orphan, like I don't belong, into I just heard him say so clearly, you are my daughter and you are a daughter of this house. And I just was like, and really all the stuff, the orphan moment went like, whoo. And for that, she's getting applause, and it's a completely nonsensical story. And I was like, I could suddenly receive the situation in its reality. So I, want to ch- I have a challenge for you this week, my friends. Do you want a challenge? Yes, Sarah. Not from you. Yes, please. Okay, great. <laughs> my challenge for you is to make space for stillness. Mm, yeah, the make space for stillness challenge. Whew, never saw that one coming. And to listen and receive from your heavenly father. Make space for stillness and to listen and receive. And I'm talking more than 10 minutes. More than 30 seconds. Make space to hear him. If you're like, well, Sarah, how do I launch off into that? I I went through Abba Father by Brennan Manning, and I would read one chapter, and then I would just sit and let... Yeah, no, she's not pointing anybody to a biblical book. The Holy Spirit percolate on my heart. And I feel it created a well in my life that I'm able to draw from now. 
I hear his voice. I recognize his whisper so much more than two years ago, five years ago, ten years because of that. And I want to challenge you, if you want to grow in hearing God's voice, develop, cultivate an internal place of connection with him that's more than just doing things by rote, but is being with God, listening, receiving from him. Now, as we finish today, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted us to pray a few things. So if you're willing, jump to your feet. Okay, so apparently she's being directly guided by the Holy Spirit for this last bit of the sermon time. If you need to, if you're a parent and need to collect your kids, feel free to go and do that. Except for if you're a parent. You, yeah, nothing for you. The Holy Spirit is dismissing you. <laughs> this is so absurd. But I feel I want to pray into three things. Number one. I felt like God's saying there's an upgrade and an impartation for us to hear. So she's going to pray into the upgrade and impartation. By the way, both of those are uh, words on our prophecy bingo cards. His voice more clearly. Number two, I want to pray for people who've been struggling to hear God's voice because I sense he's going to be. Yeah, everybody there struggled to hear God's voice because you never preached or handled a biblical text correctly at all. And you barely even you know dabbled in god's word in this 35 minute long sermon ears and number three i want to pray for people who are facing storms in their life right now because the lord wants to bring peace to your heart so holy spirit done yeah sorry you don't get to pray for us sarah yeah that was just literally chock full of man-made doctrines not biblical from a church that claims that it teaches what the Bible teaches. And yet the Bible was so conspicuous by its absence from that so-called sermon. And we heard nothing about our sin. Heard nothing about Christ and him crucified for our sins. Nobody was called to penitent faith in Christ. Everybody was challenged to go into the loo and, you know, listen for God. In the loo. <sighs> this is the state of the church today. Full blown rebellion and apostasy. God's word is not welcome. The, the crackpots who are blatantly disobeying the written word of God, like her, by preaching, um, are given the stage and people are listening to nonsense, 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 rather than God actually what he says in his word to all of us. Very sad. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.